Well, good morning. All right, y'all's awake. New year. Are, are you excited it's new year or just trying to grasp that it's a new year? Okay, well, maybe we can do both by uh, having a word of prayer. Let's, let's pray together. Oh, Father, I just voice your word from the scripture that, that tells us that you created this day. It's your day. And Lord, we worship you for it. And, and Lord, should we wake up and have a tomorrow and a, and a new week and indeed a whole new year, it's all yours. You command the sun to rise. You command this week to be. And Lord, I pray that we would live this day. We would live this week. We would live this year for you, for your glory, for your honor. Lord, we need your help. We thank you that you give us the Holy Spirit for that help. We thank you for the forgiveness when we're not so good at it. Lord, help us to, to live this year in a way that in, in every way it exalts you. Lord, we come into this room today, and, and, there, and there's things on our heart, some things we're excited about that are already on the calendar, maybe some things we're very concerned about. We're going to travel through some different things this year ahead. Lord, I, I, I pray whether it's fun and exciting or very difficult and depressing that we will walk through that in a way that honors you. We will walk through that in a way that that shows all those watching that we're following Christ through that situation, that decision, that opportunity, that difficulty. Well, Lord, again, we ask your help to, to be able to do just that very thing. Lord, we lift up to you our church. We lift up to you all churches. God, may we be faithful to be what you've called us to be in this world and in our nation, to be salt, to be light. To be a place of hope, to be a a place that teaches your word, your truth, that shares the gospel. Lord, we do lift up to you our nation. We've, We've entered a time of conflict this past week. Lord, we pray your, your care, your protection over our soldiers and, and, and those right now in fields of battle. Lord, I, I lift up to you President Trump. I, I lift up to you the council that, that surrounds him. I pray they're getting good information, right information. Give them wisdom and knowledge to respond rightly, to plan rightly in light of that information. And Lord, I pray that that whatever we're doing, that that it is for the cause of justice, that it can be connected to that. Lord, I pray for the families of those soldiers soldiers right now that have been deployed. And just knowing that that conflict is there, I just pray you'd fill their lives with a, a little bit more of your peace, your grace, your presence as as they wait and as they walk through this time. Oh, Lord, I thank you. Whether we're praying for a whole nation or just a decision we're making in our own life, you're there, you hear, you care, and you have answers. And we worship you for that. We pray it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, as we're sitting here looking out at a new year, it's a a time of questions. We ask ourselves all kinds of questions. We're working through different things. Sometimes we have a reason that we're asking a a very specific question. Sometimes we just kind of grab some general ideas and work through it in this new year. I came upon a question. I don't know what brought this to my mind or why I started thinking about this, but I was thinking this week, I was wondering if what I know is going to happen, and of course I don't know anything's going to happen, but what I anticipate is going to happen in 2020, if that'll be bigger than the surprises that are coming in 2020. You know what I'm talking about? 
I, I mean, you're, you're sitting here today, you're, you're, you've got a thing in February and another one in April, and you're anticipating this, maybe that's kind of big, and, and then we just know from the past, then there's things we don't know anything about sitting here today, but are actually going to be pretty big, actually shape this year, maybe even like shape our lives, and we don't have a clue about it sitting here today. I, what got me thinking about, so this time last year, January 5th, 2019, I'd never been to Iowa, never cared about Iowa, had no working knowledge of Iowa, didn't want any working knowledge of Iowa. But by the, by summertime, I, I had a daughter, Amy, and her husband, Danny, moved to Iowa. By the time we got to Thanksgiving, I'd spent a week, our, our whole family in Iowa. Now, now this is our family dynamic. Go Hawkeyes! We're, we're all about Iowa now. And, and think of it, this exact moment last year, absolutely nothing about that. Now, that, the good news is that's kind of fun because sometimes we're sitting here, don't have a clue of what's coming, and it's not going to be so fun, right? But we know, hey, there's some things I'm planning on. I'll be honest with you, right now, today, when I look at what 2020 holds for our home, it's kind of hard to imagine that there'll be a surprise bigger than what we already know is coming. Lord, that's not a challenge. <laughs> we'll make that clear, right? But but like we, I mean, I just have a couple of big things. Randy, who was at our 8 o'clock service, he's already gone and on the way back. But, but Randy will, will graduate from West Point in May. At least he's supposed to. Uh, he better. <laughs> and, uh, and And I mean, like, 30 seconds after he graduates, he's, he's commissioned as an infantry officer in the army. And then they'll go from there and there'll be two or three, one or two other big things that'll happen in 2020. So, I mean, we're just looking at one child and thinking, wow, here's, here's going to be two or three really big things in our life and in our calendar. And Randy holds second place in our family. Because right now, my oldest child, Mary Beth, is carrying our third grandchild. I mean, what's, what's bigger than that? And, and, you know, so you see what I'm saying. As I sit here today, well, I mean, surely there's not something bigger that I don't even know about. The big stuff I, I, well, yep, 2020 will let me know, won't it? These, this year will unfold and, and these things will happen. It's kind of fun to sit here and think about that and past years and, how that all worked out. Maybe another question we think about, especially, you know, when it's like Sunday morning and we're sitting in church, you know, hey, will 2020 hold for me the biggest, the best, the most relationship I've ever had with the Lord? Will will 2020 offer me that? You know, the idea behind that question may be why some of us are sitting here right now. You know, we are kind of looking at the year out in front and we know Man, we know something needs to be different. We know something needs to change. And, you know, maybe I should go to church. Maybe I should, you know, maybe, maybe I need God. Maybe I want God. I don't know. Is God interested in me? And, and so we're kind of working through these questions. And that, that lands us in church the first Sunday of, of January. Well, I've got good news for you. God is interested in you. Man, if you don't leave with anything else this morning, go ahead and take that with you and just marinate on that all week long. God is interested in you. And yes, absolutely, this is a guarantee. I'll sign anything you need. You can have more relationship with Christ this year than you have ever had before. 
As a matter of fact, our church wants to help you do just that. And I'm not saying that because I'm the pastor, and I'm not saying that because you, that would seem like the job of the church, right? No, I'm saying very specifically, we have a very concrete idea about how we can help every single person in here have more relationship with the Lord than they've ever had. And what we want to hold out to you, the, the path we kind of want to lay out here, may be something many of us have never considered. You expect me to say, oh, you need to read your Bible. Oh, you, you need to pray. Oh, you need, you need to be in church. There, there's a handful of things we know. If there's an equation, these things are probably a part of it. I'm going to suggest to you the biggest part of the equation most of us never pick up. And maybe why the equation doesn't quite get to, to where we want. So we've got a theme for this year. And, and my, my theme for the series in January is going to be around this. But it's going to evolve into what we're doing the whole year. And it's very simply this. Be one who leads one. Be one who leads one. Anything you are looking for, anything you want to happen in your own relationship with God is significantly, is profoundly impacted when you get involved in leading another in their relationship with the God. Now, here, here's what I'm guessing. Here's what I'm guessing is that well over half of us, maybe like eight out of ten of us, are right now interacting with that word lead. And you automatically disqualify yourself. I can't lead. I'm, I can barely lead myself. I, I don't know enough. I'm not smart. I don't know what I would say. I don't know what I, I can't, I can't lead somebody else in a way that helps their relationship with the Lord. Well, then take out the word lead and put the word encourage. Put the word help. If those two words are too big, then just do this. Walk alongside. Just walk alongside somebody else in their relationship with God. Folks, you will not believe how much that dynamic right there impacts your own walk with Christ. Now, let me, I've just made some pretty profound statements. Let me see if I can back up some of this or, or kind of develop a biblical basis for this. Would you turn with me this morning in your Bible to John chapter 1, the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts and Romans on the other side. It's about three-fourths of the way through your Bible. John chapter 1, and I'm going to begin in verse 35. John chapter 1, verse 35. It says there, in the next day, again, John, let me stop right here, because there's going to be Johns running all over the place in this story, okay? So we've got the John I just mentioned, John the Apostle, he, he's writing, but he's not in the story uh, yet. And, and then there's John the Baptist, that's the John just referred to here. And then at the end of what I read, you're going to meet a father named John, and that's just his name, John. Don't have to worry any more about it. So we got John the Apostle who's writing, John the Baptist who we're talking about right here. The next day again, John the Baptist was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. One of the two who'd heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew. So you, you noticed at the beginning, it was just two unnamed disciples 
of John the Baptist. We just learned the name of one of them, and that was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, verse 41. He first, the next thing he did, the first thing he did, he first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Okay, so the, the title of Jesus, Hebrew, is Messiah. Greek is Christ. Christ and Messiah are both the same word, just two different languages, and they both mean anointed one. So what he just said in English is, we found the anointed one. We found the one from God. Verse 42, he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you're Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter, who we just learned about. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. I think you can read through this and think, okay, sure, that's, that's good. What we just read is really some pretty profound, pretty dramatic movement uh, in a story. Some really big life-altering decisions are being made here. Now, you, you see John the Baptist sees Jesus walk by and says, Behold the Lamb of God. Now, probably to the average Jew walking on the street in 30 A.D., the Lamb of God is going to mean a whole lot more than to the average American walking on the street in 2020 A.D. Now, I'm not saying that we don't need the Lamb of God. No, we need the Lamb of God exactly the way that Jew did in 30 A.D. But that title's just not going to grab our attention. It would have grabbed their attention. So I see, I see some of the drama building in that, yes, John the... Baptist has just said something that would have absolutely dialed those guys in. But what follows next in their following Jesus is pretty incredible. Now, they're disciples. They're disciples of John the Baptist. And they immediately switch and become disciples of Jesus, which was John the Baptist's plan. So don't, don't feel like they were just disloyal to a friend or something. But that word disciple, we don't really have anything like this in our in our culture. Maybe words we would use are like mentor and, and mentoree. That, that would be similar to, you know, if I've got a mentor, this is somebody I look up to, want to learn from in some kind of relational setting. Maybe in a little bit more of a business idea, we use the word internship. You know, I, I want to learn from this company. I, I want to get an opportunity to grow and develop under this company. There may or may not be any relationship there, and then I'll, I'll move on and, and do my thing. That's kind of in the neighborhood of a disciple. A disciple was a lot more relational and a lot more lifelong impacting. I mean, you basically, when you became a disciple, you're saying, I, I want to live life under you. I, I'm going to go where you go. I'm, go, I'm going to learn from you how to live life, how to respond to life. I'm, I'm going to follow you for the rest of life. And, and so that was the idea of a disciple. It was really a pretty big deal. And while you and I open the Bible, the Gospels, and we see that word a lot, don't get the idea that everybody was the disciple of somebody because they weren't. Probably most people weren't. But we, we see that a lot here. We are, right, disciples of Christ. 
We've said, I want to live life under you. I want to follow you. And that's what these two guys have just done here. But what kind of blows me away is that word following. Now, you know, I can, I can, I can follow you to lunch. I, I, I can follow you to, to somewhere I don't need to go. That's not what's happening here. Okay, that word follow, and I'm taking us all back to eighth grade grammar. That's a wonderful memory, isn't it? Probably not for most of us. Grammar's not like a favorite. But the verb here for following, the tense, is a once-for-all action. Okay, now just hold on to that. It's a once-for-all action. In other words, when it says they follow Jesus, this is what it is not saying. It's not saying, hey, let's, let's follow this guy down the road a bit. Well, what, what, let's just see what Jesus is about. What's he got to say? What's he got to offer? Let, let's follow him for a bit and, and see what's going on here. Would there be anything wrong if they'd said that? No, not at all. There's nothing wrong with doing that. Some of you in here today may be doing that thing right now. Hey, I'll, I'll check this out for a while. I want to see. want to hear. want to learn if there's anything here for me. No, there's nothing wrong with that. That's just not what they're doing. To the best of their ability, I mean, none of us knows what we're going to be able to accomplish tomorrow. I mean, in all honesty, right? But to the best of their ability, what's in their heart and mind right now is I am going to follow you for the rest of my life. I mean, literally, folks. So what has happened here is, hey, the Lamb of God. And in that moment, that is now the course of my life. Well, that's pretty big, isn't it? There's a, there's a really big thing happening in this moment. And what I'm kind of blown away by, I mean, folks, stop and consider how little they know about Jesus as they make that decision. Now, I, I wouldn't assume they know nothing. They've been disciples of John the Baptist. What's John the Baptist's purpose in the world? It's to announce that the Messiah is coming. So if I was, if you were a disciple of, of John the Baptist the last three months, the last year, We've probably been learning about the Messiah, right? What, what does the scripture have to say about the Messiah? What's the Messiah going to be? What's the Messiah going to do? So th- they've probably been learning something, but they don't know his face. They, they don't know his name. They, they've never been around him. They've never, they have no experience with Jesus. And he says, there he is. And they just immediately follow. Man, can you imagine doing that? I mean, hey, I know... I know something about this Jesus guy. Somebody that's important to me thinks a lot of this Jesus guy. Maybe I believe something about this Jesus guy. I'm not sure I could explain it. I'm not sure I could defend it. But here goes my life. Now, actually, it's kind of a trick question when I said, can you imagine being like that right there? Because we all should be able to imagine that. Isn't that just the first day of being a believer? I, I, you know, hey, I think, I think I might believe something really big here. Now, I can't explain it. I can't defend it. I, I, I don't know a lot. What I, what I want us to see, folks, is we need to identify with Andrew. Because we, we see the word disciple, follower of Jesus, especially in the Bible, and we kind of think super saint. Somebody I, somebody I can't be, something I can't do. And yet, folks, there's actually no difference between Andrew and, and you and me. He He knows something, we don't know what all he knows, and he probably can't explain it or defend it, but look what he does next. It says, first, the moment he made that decision, the next thing he did, verse 41, he went and told his brother. Now that takes some bravery right there. I mean, who's more skeptical of you than your siblings? 
It's hard to go tell siblings because they just call us out immediately. I mean, I can almost wonder if Peter said here, seriously, now you're following this guy? I thought you were following John the Baptist. Andrew, I can't keep up with who you're running after these days. It's, Andrew, it's always something with you. You're this way, you're that way. Why don't you just land somewhere? That sounds like a brother, doesn't it? Stop and think about this. If Peter asks any questions, if he in any way challenges Andrew, what's Andrew going to be able to say? I, I mean, Andrew's got no real experience. He has no real working knowledge, but it didn't stop him from going and getting. You know, interesting thing about Andrew Every time you read Andrew in the New Test, in the Gospels, he's bringing somebody to Christ. He's not the most well-known disciple. I, I bet if I asked you to name four disciples, Andrew wouldn't have been in your top four. He's not the most well-known. And there's all kinds of things we want to be known for in this world. But folks, I believe with all my heart that one day you and I are going to be standing in eternity. And that will be the most exciting thing to be known for. That guy was always bringing people to Jesus. Probably couldn't win a debate. Probably couldn't have a lot of knowledge, but what he knew, he went and got. Now, that's a story that we could stop right there and say, hey, folks, this is just, you and I are like Andrew. There's no reason you and I can't do, I mean, he says, we have found the Messiah. He can't back that up. He can't, you say, how do you know we can't back that up? Because I've read the rest of the story. I mean, we're in John chapter one, this first page. You go on from here, and not just Andrew, all the disciples are going to be quick to say, this is the Son of God, we believe we found the Messiah. But as you watch the story unfold, boy, they clearly have a lot of growing and learning. Just in the mind, what does it mean that this person is the Messiah, the the Son of God? And then, how do I respond to that? How do I live? And in the gospel account, we see them fumble and trip, fumble and trip over and over at what that means. But they believed it and they went and told. They went and got somebody with that simple thing. There's, listen, folks, everybody in here can do this. And then that story is followed up by really what I would call an identical story. Philip. Now, the only difference between Philip and Andrew, and I've, I've, I think you've caught how much I think, how little Andrew knows about Jesus. Have you, have you got that that was my point? Okay, well, Philip knows less than him. Now, I think Andrew knows something because he'd been hanging around John the Baptist. The scripture doesn't give me any context for really understanding what Philip might have known. As a matter of fact, all I can tell from this passage, I mean, Jesus says, follow me. And he says, yes. I mean, really, that's it? That just doesn't seem like a lot of interaction to make the decision, to make the commitment that Philip is making here. But what's the one piece of information it gives us? His same hometown as Andrew and Peter. Maybe he said yes to following Christ just because somebody he knows and trusts was following Christ. I would imagine there's some of us in this room right now that that would be our story. I... I, I really, honestly, there was nothing driving me. There was nothing pushing me to the Lord. I just saw this friend of mine, this person I know, this person I trust was doing that. And that's the road I started taking. It might have been a relationship with another person that actually started our relationship with the Lord. That's all I can tell Philip is working with here. So I'm going to go ahead and say, Andrew didn't know hardly anything and Philip knew less than him. And yet, what's the first thing Philip does? 
he goes and tells Nathaniel, hey man, we found the one. This is it. This whole activity of going and telling. Listen, how do I keep saying this? Philip and Andrew haven't been to any Bible studies yet. Philip and Andrew haven't been to any training yet. They haven't been to, I'm on my way to be a disciple 101. They haven't been to, one day I'm going to be an apostle 201. One day I'm going to be a super saint 301. They haven't been to any of these classes. They haven't done any of this. They're not ready to win a debate. They're not ready to get in an argument. All they're doing is going and inviting Come and see. They're doing something that every single person in this room can do. Every single one of us can do this. And what they did, folks, changed the world. You realize that, right? I mean, 2,000 years later, you're sitting here and we're talking about them. 2,000 years later, we're living on a planet where one out of seven people follows the person they were saying, hey, come and see this. Within a hundred years, I didn't say change comes overnight. Within a hundred years, they changed the Roman Empire with a simple activity of going and getting an invitation to come and see. You know what? Really, I think they ask people to do is come and worship. You know, I, I said this whole this whole month. We're going to be saying, be one who leads one. And each Sunday, I'm going to focus on a specific thing. We come alongside somebody. We encourage somebody. We help somebody to do. Today, it's to worship. Now, I know when I say worship, you think 8, eight, eight o'clock, 9.15, or 10.45. This campus or the Midlothian campus? Yes, this moment right here is, is worship. That's not what I mean when I say bringing people to Jesus to worship. Is this a part of it? Oh, this is the fuel. Now, can you worship without being here? Yes, you can. Do you have to be here each week? No, you don't. But what's going to happen is sooner or later, your worship is running on fumes. Sooner or later, your worship is running empty. This is the fuel. This time, this moment, our gathering to worship is the fuel for for the rest of our week of, of, of living a life that worships the Lord. But what worship is here is just simply bringing somebody to Christ to evaluate his worth. That's what worship is, the worth of something. Do you find him worthy of following do you find him worthy of putting your faith in? Do you find him worthy of giving your time to, to sing and to pray and to study together? Do you find I don't see them arguing with the people they bring. I don't see them trying to, to debate them. They just simply, hey, come and see. And you decide who you believe Jesus is. They bring people to worship. And, and folks, this is a dynamic. I, I tell you, I just... Uh, gosh, I hope this is not offensive. I, I just think so many people in the church, capital C, not just our church, all churches everywhere, have a very minimal experience with Christ. Their whole relationship with Christ, whether it's five years long or, or 62 years long, it's a very minimal experience. It's a very minimal faith. It's a very minimal knowledge because they leave out this dynamic of going and getting. And folks, I, I, 30 years of being in ministry, 40 years of, of walking with Christ, just watching the church, watching myself, watching you, watching Watching people, people who go and get, always, 
A hundred percent of the time, people who are in the business of going and getting are always growing in knowledge, always growing in faith, always growing in their experience. And guess what? You take that knowledge, you take that faith, you take that experience into all of the other issues and challenges of your life. See, we come into this time of year and, and, yeah, man, it's it's just natural to kind of think, I wish something was different. I I wish something would change. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking for an equation. What, what, what do I need to do so I have a better marriage, a better job so I can lose 10 pounds? Why don't I just have more meaning and purpose in life? And, 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 and for some of us, you know, I I need, I need to go to church. You know, I, I, I need to read my, my Bible. And, and you know what? I would include that in the equation. But what, what happens? We say we can't keep resolutions. I don't actually think it's an issue of not being able to keep a resolution. I, I go to church. I go, I go to church four or five Sundays out of the next six, seven, eight weeks. I read my Bible almost every day, almost every day for the next four or five weeks. And guess what? When I get to the Monday after the Super Bowl, I still haven't lost 10 pounds. My marriage is no better. My job is no better. My finances haven't been fixed. And you know, here's the bottom line. We generally don't put a lot of effort into something that doesn't make a change immediately. I went to church. I read my Bible. None of those things were fixed. See, we kind of reduce God to an equation, which I don't think is appropriate. God's not an equation. But there are pieces that build the Christian life. There are pieces that build faith. There are pieces that build the experience of knowing God, walking with God, and having that impact all these things I want in my life touched by that. And yes, of course, it includes church, it includes scripture, it includes prayer. But folks, I think we leave out the big heart of the equation. Go and get. Say, how's that going to fix my marriage? I don't know. I I really don't. But I know this. If I'm following Christ, I'm going and getting Jesus said, I left heaven to seek and to save the lost. I I came into this world to go and get. So if I'm following Christ, I am going and getting. If I'm not going and getting, I'm not following Christ. I may be experiencing some Christ stuff. I may be including some Christ activities into my life, but I'm not following Christ. Because if I'm following Christ, I'm going and getting. And so there are way too many people, I think at least in America, that's been my experience, who said Christianity doesn't work, going to church doesn't work, the the Bible doesn't work, because they're trying to reduce God to equation, and then leaving out the heart of the equation. Whatever you want in the Lord, whatever you're looking for in the Lord, whatever you're wanting to be and do for the Lord, go and get somebody to do it with you. And watch how that dynamic changes everything. It just, I'm not even a good churchgoer. Okay, get somebody to go with you. Just, hey, you want to go to, you want to go to church with me? Maybe, maybe you say, you know what? I've, I've, I've been wanting to read the Bible. I, I, aren't those one-year Bible reading plans? I'm going to read the Bible this year. You want to actually do it? Ask somebody to do it with you. No, that doesn't mean you need to be ready to answer all Bible questions. It doesn't mean you're ready to now be a tutor of the Scriptures. You know what it means? Hey, I'm going to try to read the Bible this year. You want, you want, you want to do that with me? 
Maybe we can get together for coffee once or twice a month and talk about what we read. Watch how that dynamic changes what the Word of God ends up meaning in your life. Watch how that dynamic changes what being in church does for your life. Be one who leads one. When you are, you're following Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I I would pray for every single person in this room right now, anybody watching online, you would put a name, a face on our heart right now. And Lord, you're going to motivate us and you're going to create the opportunity where sometime in the month of, of January, February, we're going to ask them to come to church with us. We're going to try to just bring them to a place where they can see the worth of you. Lord, I would pray for us individually and I would pray for us as a church that over the course of the next four, five, six weeks, we're going to be absolutely overwhelmed with what the simple activity of going and getting Simple invitations, what that can mean in all of our life, in every area of our life. I ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.